If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program and to our final two hours together for the week. Yeah, we have a, a two-day pause, but we're back into it. Thanks so much for clicking in. Is that how we say it now? We've got to say click in. You can't say thanks for tuning in, which is the standard radio terminology. It's not tuning in. It is clicking in. Thank you so much for doing that. Up with the tech, of course. Now, in this edition, well, they've achieved their goals. The key leaders of the Western democracies of the world have accomplished greatness. They've either pushed us into recession this week, and I'm referring to the UK and also Japan, or have us hanging on the precipice. Well done. I'll explain to you why that the current declarations of recession around the world are all the fault of our governments, all the fault of our leaders, and they shouldn't be anywhere near the levers of power. They shouldn't be running these countries because for several major reasons, they have taken us down a wretched track, which was only always going to end in high inflation, high prices and a recession. And our living standards are about to plummet if, of course, in some areas of the world, they haven't already done so. So we'll get to that right off the top very shortly. My special guest today, and very well timed this, because he is a geopolitical and economic commentator. He's also a Newsmax editor. His name is Tom Luongo. Now, Tom will talk about the money being set aside for Ukraine, more of it, Russia's tactics currently, France and their negotiating role around the world, and a whole heap more, including how the UK and Japan fell into recession this week. Could they have avoided it? My argument is they certainly could have. Now, one of the foremost authorities on woke culture and politically incorrect, or should I say politically correct ideology, is the one and only Dr. Kevin Donnelly from the Australian Catholic University. He is the author of six books on these subjects, and they are brilliantly written you must try and look them up and get them through Amazon. Dr. Kevin Donnelly, he will be dissecting a report today, which I think is quite amazing. It rubbishes recent teaching methods applied in schools right around the world, saying that they are wrong, that they are too modern for translation, that kids need to go back to what their brothers and sisters were taught 25 to 30 years ago. It's quite a report, and Kevin has a very strong opinion on the conclusions of that report. We'll also have the politically incorrect radio man, the former nighttime radio supremo, Jim Ball, on the show today. Uh, Jimmy's got plenty to say about diversity, equity and inclusion, the ideology which seems to be sweeping the Western world. Um, the absolutely insane equation being applied in some parts of the globe to reach net zero. And there's a state that we've discovered that for it to reach net zero, and it's been given a clear path, a clear ambition, it has to establish and construct wind turbines on 70% of all its agricultural land. That's just to reach net zero, which as you know, is a preliminary emissions target. 
70% of all its agricultural land. Forget about the disruption to produce. Forget about the fact we've got to feed people. No, 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 no. Far more important to change the temperature of the planet, right? Well, as we all know, even if you filled up 100% of agricultural land with windmills, it doesn't change the temperature of the planet one iota, if, of course, that is somehow the key to survival. It is crackers. The world has gone nuts. Plus, we've got you, hopefully, on our talkback lines today. We've had some good calls this week and great to get people's opinion and hear what they say. It doesn't have to be long. You don't have to be an academic, certainly not here, but you have to have some strong opinions because that's what we specialise in. It is uh, a place for free speech. So jump on and exercise your right to that. And you can do so from the United States or Canada on one eight 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 two zero one six four two five from the UK zero double three double zero two four one zero two six and from Australia or New Zealand one eight hundred six seven zero three one zero. We are set. Let's get moving. You're with Chris Smith broadcasting live on the Global News Talk Network TNT. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio TNT. Well, I know that we dedicate a hell of a lot of time, not just on this program, but throughout our programs on TNT, and they run 24-7, as you know, to freedom, certainly to free speech, to uncovering the truth, or at least raising questions about whether what we're being told is right, and of course, pushing back against governments who are infatuated with control and power. But you know what concerns most ordinary, everyday people around the world right now, do you know what their number one concern is? The cost to live. Now, you might call it the cost of living, but that sounds a bit grocery-oriented. I'm talking about the cost to live. People on their bare bones of their backside just trying to survive, to put food on the table three times a day. Now, I don't care what argument you come up with about what the majority of the world's population care about. That's it. I'm convinced of it right now. It has become the all-consuming fear confronting the masses and understandably so. But it can be easily tied, of course, to the abuse of control, to untruths and to a lack of free speech. And I'll illustrate that for you very shortly. This week's economic news explains why we have even more to fear and even more reason to despise those who are in charge. Britain's economy has now fallen into recession based on the latest numbers from the second half of 2023, which came down yesterday. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, he's probably just woken up in his Kensington bed in London right now, I would suggest, Rishi, you just turn over and go back to sleep. Wake up on Monday morning. This will be a nightmare for you. GDP contracted by 0.3% in the three months to December. But two things about that. It had already shrunk between July and September. So the trajectory is clear and it's an increasing trajectory. It has blown economists' estimates out of the water. They were suggesting something like 0.1%. At worst, Britain is spiralling down the gurgler badly. And yesterday's data means Britain now joins Japan among the group of seven advanced economies in a recession, supposedly advanced. Canada is likely to be next, 
with its GDP numbers out next week. Good luck. And don't forget, G7 nation Germany is faring worse than them all. Germany's a basket case, totally. Now, politically, Rishi Sunak has pledged, and he's been doing this for the last two years, pledging to get the economy growing. I'll grow the economy, he said, he promised. Well, it's curtains for him and it's curtains for the Tories as a result, and the polls are getting worse. And let's not lose sight of what all of these democracies have been doing. Japan, um, Australia, which is on the precipice of recession, also the United States, the UK, and Japan. I mentioned Japan. They've all been doing everything possible to crash the economy. And I'll tell you how. One, they all panicked when the bad flu hit. And what did they do? Overspent to save the world, to save their country, to save their economy, to save everyone's jobs. That's what they did. They overcompensated to massive order. Two, they forked out and are still doing so endless amounts of money for renewable power schemes, which prop up total energy inefficiencies to grab votes for being green. Because as we all know, there's no outcome here. They don't tell you what the result will be spending trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions. No, there's no result because they don't know the result. They're hoping with their fingers tightly crossed that it changes the temperature of the planet. They can't prove that because it won't. It can't. It will not but it makes them feel good to spend those trillions. And three, they have been pouring endless billions of dollars into a territorial conflict out there in Eastern Europe, Ukraine. Endless amounts of money. Whatever it takes is the United States motto. Whatever it takes, that's the Biden administration motto. The economic crisis, therefore, to me, has been self-perpetuated. And they should all be kicked out of office and never go anywhere near a government that controls ordinary, everyday people, which brings me back to Russia and its crippling inflation and the massive grocery prices that we've been told over and over again by the EU that have resulted because of those awfully cruel sanctions applied by the Western world. They've been praising how unified the Western world has been in applying these sanctions. Well, that's what we've been told. Hold that thought. Former Fox News host Tucker Carlson has gone supermarket shopping in Moscow after his interview with Vladimir Putin to measure how clever the West has been, how effective these sanctions have been. Here's what happened. I went from amused to legitimately angry. Um, so we were guessing what this would cost. Everybody hears from the United States by the groceries and we didn't pay any attention to costs as we were just putting in the cart what we would actually eat over a week. And we all came in around 400 bucks, about 400 bucks. Um, it was $104 US here. And that's when you start to realize that ideology maybe doesn't matter as much as you thought, corruption. If you take people's standard of living and you tank it through filth and crime and inflation, and they literally can't buy the groceries they want, at that point, maybe it matters less what you say or whether you're a good person or a bad person. You're wrecking people's lives in their country. And that's what our leaders have done to us. And coming to a Russian grocery store, the heart of evil, and seeing what things cost and how people live, it will radicalize you against our leaders. That's how I feel anyway, radicalized. We're not making any of this up, by the way, at all. 
Now, Tucker Carlson has been pilloried for that video. Oh, pro-Russian again. There he goes with his narrative. Well, I'm not Tucker Carlson. I'm not a lover of Vladimir Putin. Let me go through that, though. One, Western sanctions have been grossly impotent. There's your classic example. There it is, right in front of you, from Tucker Carlson. Impotent. What a bunch of incompetent fools running the major democracies of the world. That now is a fact. And I can give you other incremental reasons economically that I've told you about on previous shows about why Russia is not being hurt. Two, my comments earlier about the destructive job our leaders have done to our recession, smashing economy stands. It is unconscionable. They are wrecking our lives. Have you gone to the supermarket and decided you can't have that anymore? We have. Can't have that anymore. That cheese is now $8? No, can't get it. And you're doing the same thing. That's the reality. And all of this diminishes our living standards, wrecks our lives and wrecks our lives, our children's lives as well. Three, despite what Tucker says about the easier cost of living in Moscow, um, I'm sorry, but I wouldn't choose to live in a cruel autocracy like Russia. Not me. He can. He can have it. Thank you very much. They're my three outtakes. Forget about criticism of what he did and why he did it. They're the facts. But again, the leaders of the Western world should just hang their heads in shame. This is TNT. TNT's Darren Denslow. And another reason that the BBC claimed was TB. It's the badgers. That's why farmers are protesting across Europe. And now the fishermen and the firemen and everybody else seems to be jumping on board uh, of this Europe-wide protest. Uh, but here, the BBC are saying it's all to do with tuberculosis and badgers. Uh, quite interesting, uh, but there were a whole uh, tirade of farmer stories that have been published by the BBC over the weekend uh, when they had actually been remaining silent uh, for the last ooh, six weeks. In fact, it goes back into 2023 when the Dutch originally came out to protest. Digging deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk TNT. In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the 4MySay app now. That is number four, my say. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, let's get down to business. And it's quite fortunate that we have our guest locked into this particular time slot today. We had prepared it earlier, but given what I had to say about recession being declared in both Japan and the UK this week. What Tom has to say to us shortly will make a great deal of sense and resonate. Now, on, on Tuesday, the US Senate approved a $95 billion aid package for Ukraine, another one, which includes money for Ukraine, money for Israel, money for Taiwan. But Speaker Mike Johnson, of course, the Republican and ally of Donald Trump, has yet to put it to a vote in the lower chamber, the House of Reps. The US military industrial complex 
clearly wants this military foreign aid package passed by the House. They are salivating and will be frustrated by Republicans opposing it. Much pressure is being applied to Congress privately to fall into line, including a warning on Thursday from NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg. Before a meeting of NATO, Defence Minister Stoltenberg said he expects the US Congress to agree to continued support to Ukraine. What an arrogant pig. Stoltenberg claimed if Russia were to win the war, it'll make the world even more dangerous and us more vulnerable. Really? What, they're about, they're 18,000 troops are about to storm into Germany, are they? How? When? Where are they? They should be on the other side if they are. It's just bullshit. Tom Luongo is a former research chemist and financial political commentator specialising in the intersection of geopolitics, financial markets, gold and cryptocurrencies. He is producer of the Gold, Goats and Guns blog and podcast. He's also an editor at Newsmax and a regular contributor to the Financial Intelligence Report. He joins us live from Florida. Tom Luongo, welcome to TNT. Uh, good evening, Chris. How are you? I'm very, very well. Good to have you on. Firstly, what I mentioned at the start of the program, the economic collapse with Britain joining Japan. It's not the worst recession they've had, but technically they are now plunging into recession. Um, they're two of the Group 7 advanced economies in a recession. How many other nations will follow and how many other nations are on the precipice? I know Australia certainly is. Sure. Uh, probably all of them. Um, and good. I hate that they hate to be... Um blunt but good um this is all downstream of the fact that the uh, federal reserve is at five and a half percent and um energy prices are well oil is eighty dollars a barrel yeah and um this is what you get for 13 to 15 years worth of zero bound interest rates and then the bill comes due um we have after you know i i would say for by my estimate thanks to both Bernanke, Yellen, and even to a lesser extent, Greenspan, we had Federal Reserve chairmen that are chairpeople that weren't interested in what was best for the United States. They were playing Central Bank of the World. Mm. And Central Bank of the World, the world wanted more cheap dollars, and we gave it to them. And then once Powell said, you know what? No, we can't do that. If we continue to do that, it will be the end of the United States. And it continues to fund the foreign wars and everything else you spoke about in your, in your opening commentary about this foreign aid bill that they um, can't, um, they can't fall over themselves more to force Congress to pass. It is, you know, we've been dealing with people for, well, just over two years now, screaming that the Fed needs to pivot and needs to go back to the zero bound and everything else. This foreign aid bill is the same thing. You know, one is welfare for the military industrial complex or and, and or whoever thinks they're going to rebuild Ukraine and fight Russia. And the other is welfare for, well, I guess the military industrial complex and everybody else, because it's all the same thing. It's just cheap money. It's money we don't have mm. that they're, you know, they want to force us to spend on the fiscal side. And then the Fed eventually has to monetize on the monetary side. Mm. When the Fed says, well, yeah, you can have your $95 billion, but to get it at five and a half to six percent, all of a sudden, that $95 billion isn't affordable. It's affordable at 1%. It's affordable at 0%. Because, and it's not, it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it is, it matters when you realize that the lower the interest rates, the more you can lever up that money, the more you can take $95 billion or $100 billion and turn it into a trillion dollars mm. in through by, by, by loaning it out again, right? 
So they borrowed one percent, then they let then they lend it out to some. They lend it out five times as much at three percent, and then they lend it out again at five percent, and and that's how you create, you know, orders of magnitude more money through the. Tom, would you would system. you would you describe the way they dished out cheap money as almost manic? Oh yeah, during COVID they did it on purpose. Mm. Chris, I mean, I'm firmly convinced at this point that COVID was an operation to force the Fed back to the zero bound. Yeah. When Powell tried to raise rates during the early part of the Trump administration, um, Trump years, that part of the reason for COVID was to force Jerome Powell back to the zero bound. And Trump went along with it because he was worried about getting reelected and felt, you know, and that's why he is, that's why he's not going to, that's why he's not interested in Powell being Federal Reserve Chair when Powell's term is up in 2026. because I don't think Trump understands any of this. Um, I wish he did, because if he did, he'd be sitting there going, Jerome Powell's probably the only freaking patriot left in the United States. Yeah. But he's but he's Donald Trump, and, well, there's not much we can do about it. Now, he's, okay. got, he's both good and bad is the problem. with I, I like Trump. I'll vote for him again, but I'm, I'm not unaware of his deficiencies. Let's yeah, put it that way. Of course, and he has a few. May I just refer to what I mentioned, this spending frenzy? And mm -hmm. can I just ask you a question? Forget about the rights and wrongs of the spending frenzy, but the fact is that we did so. We overspent mm -hmm. and we overcompensated during the bad flu. We got very, very panicked by it. and We tried to panic as many people as we possibly could and scare the crap out of them. Mm -hmm. um, then we decided we're going to continue this drive towards net zero because we will save the planet very shortly. Forget about what India is doing. Forget about what China is doing. We will save the planet. Of course, there's no scientific leverage on that whatsoever. There's no evidence. It's just bullshit. So we, we spend trillions on that. And then after COP28, we quadrupled those trillions. And then we turn around and we start throwing money at Ukraine, expecting Russia to somehow dissolve, like China, Iran and North Korea won't help them. So that right. they're on their own, are they? And I just think to myself, surely those massive three factors where the the policy uh, intent has been, let's just keep pouring endless money into this. There's no ceiling on any of that. I just think that that was crazy and it has led to what we've seen in Japan and Britain and what we've seen with so many countries on the precipice of recession. Am I right? Yeah, I think you're probably. I, I think I, I think it may be a little bit. I think it's it's hard to separate all of those things and, and lump all those things together. And the, and the reason I, I hesitate to wholly agree with you, Chris, is not that I disagree with you. Is that I don't know that Japan. I, I'm not convinced on Japan. I'm actually quite bullish on Japan right. um, because I think Japan is finally doing what they need to do, which is to end thirty plus years of ruinous monetary policy. Yeah. Uh, and and they're they're going to exit this. And I think actually Japan is the, I think Japan is the, the 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 country that actually has the Fed's back in helping bring back monetary sanity to the G7. And unfortunately, they're going to have to go through a recession because of it. Um, but they can do so. They can defend again if they need to. They they can and they will. I, I firmly believe that they will. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think they're very close to. I think we're getting very close with the end at 150 for an, another intervention by the Bank of Japan. I either going to uh, change, they're going to announce another shift in their monetary policy, or they're just going to 
physically intervene in the end and drop it back into the 120s. Okay, well, that, that's and, positive news. But for the rest of the world, you can't go spending madly and stupidly when you're on the precipice agreed. of a recession. No, no, agreed completely. No, no yeah. agreed completely. So I just wanted to put a finer point on that. As far as like the UK and Europe are concerned, no, no, they're, they're in serious trouble and they deserve everything they're going to get. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, um, and, and because they did this on purpose and they did this against the will of the people and they yeah. did this against, yeah. clearly they did it against the will of the people, certainly yeah. in, in the UK. Um, and and absolutely what we're seeing with the farmers revolts all over Europe um, that's happening as well so the big thing for me and I keep I keep coming back to it's all about the American bond market and the merit the price of American debt because the price of American debt that sets the 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 price for debt around the world yeah um you know with Powell holding rates of five and a half percent we're now having multiple reports of German commercial real estate imploding because the Germans are in recession yep. or they don't want to admit it, but they actually are. And God, they're in a recession with, with uh, industrial production collapsing four or 5% per quarter, um, contracting four to 5% per quarter. You're in a recession. I'm sorry. I don't care what you've done to goose GDP numbers. Uh, Cause spending is, you know, you can, you can goose spending however you want. The United States is for all intents and purposes in a recession, even though we're not going to declare one because we're running a 7% budget deficit to GDP, which is boosting the GDP numbers. Remember, GDP is not a ma- measure of anything other than spending. It should actually be more accurately termed gross national spending. It's not gross national product, not output. It's what we yeah, spent. It's true. There's nothing about what, how we spent that money or whether wh- whether we spent that money on, you know, hookers and blow as opposed to, um, <laughs> you know, was opposed to you know building new factories or you know repairing bridges or anything else like you know that's the problem there's no hookers no blow just bad government like so like this is our this is our fundamental problem of 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 using even using macroeconomic statistics the way we do it's all just a, a political shell game to generate whatever narrative they want which is always more war more debt more you know more insanity because the money rolls up to them first because they get to spend it first and they of course get the best benefit from it and we can wind up with the inflation on the backside. yeah because either way either way it's self-perpetuated i've got to take a quick break for news stay right where you are tom and we'll come back after we get to the newsroom and get you an update right here on tnt what station is this ladies and gentlemen tnt radio news matt boyland here with a look at your tnt headlines Prolific pedophiles convicted of the most heinous crimes against infants and preteen children could be executed in the US state of Idaho under a new bill passed by House officials. Russian President Vladimir Putin's told the world that his country is close to developing vaccines to treat cancer. And the Kremlin has rejected wild reports out of the US claiming Russia is planning on deploying nuclear weapons in space. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Tom Luongo is my special guest at the moment, a former research chemist and financial political commentator specialising in geopolitics and financial markets. Let's go to Congress. Speaker Mike Johnson is putting up resistance to this foreign aid bill, which has been discussing. Tom, listen to what he said on Wednesday. The Republican-led House will not be jammed or forced into passing a foreign aid bill that was opposed by most Republican senators and does nothing to secure our own border. Tom, someone's got to stand up, you know, firmly against this, don't they? Mm-hmm. They do, I, absolutely, and I, and and I hope 
um, Speaker Johnson fulfills his, you know, uh, the 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 wishes of the people who put him in power when he came in. You know, uh, when they got rid of Kevin McCarthy, which itself was historic that we got rid of, you know, that snake. But they're going to try and move heaven and earth around him. Right. And I, I saw reports of Hakeem Jeffries, the from the, the Democrat from New York, trying to push a procedural vote to get everybody to go to force the vote to the floor. Whereas Johnson does because he's a speaker, has the ability to say, you know, we're not bringing this bill to a to a vote. And there are ways there are procedural ways that they can make that happen. And I think that you're going to I think at a at a at the last ditch effort, they're going to try that. And the sad part about it is, is they will if, if it were to happen, it would do so. They know that they have the votes to get that done. And then they would destroy Mike Johnson's speakership in the process, which then creates even more turmoil on Capitol Hill. And again, again, think about what I said in the first segment about, you know, what's Powell trying to do? He's trying to re- restore a certain level of sanity to American monetary and then by extension fiscal policy Mm. right and it's having it's having reverberations in in congress well you know you create even more political turmoil at the top of the power structure in the united states that then undermines what powell's trying to do on the monetary side and then everybody's like well you know but the u.s is a political con show i don't know that i can put my money in you know u.s treasuries and it affects the way debt is priced in the way and the way capital moves around the world and that's Mm. Clearly, Chris, that is the goal of all of this from the people who are putting the external pressure on the U.S. And it's a narrative that we're seeing all over the media, the what I would consult, call the British or Davos controlled media. I don't believe the United States controls its own media. I, I think the British and, and and the Europeans control our media because of all their, it's always their agendas that are like that are promulgated with such you know, great glee and anything vaguely american from any kind of you know traditional sense is always poo-pooed as being you know reactionary and backward looking and all the rest of it they're the progressives they're the good people they're the that's good interesting people. and i think there's a lot of truth in that and I, I can think of some examples but i won't i won't bore people with it but and it's a conversation for another day but that's interesting sure. um that, that's very interesting and so therefore what we're hearing as the narrative and i'm not talking about government narrative but what we're hearing as the narrative is actually the european uk narrative Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fundamentally believe that. I've, I've, I believe that for a long time. I, I believe that the British have controlled our media f- and our intelligence services and our State Department and a variety of other things for a very, very long time. Um, and I, I think, I think, when you start to look at the world or look at what's the policy that comes out of the United States, and you look at the way our media is 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 uh, is operates, you, you realize that oh, well, it actually is that more than anything else, and that okay. the United States invariably winds up pursuing policies that are not in its best interest. Yeah, um, and we can see that in, in a number of different you know uh, idioms, and um, like uh, you know that's what that's where we are, and I think that we have a um, we have to. Once we're once we're once you're hip to that, you can see it, and then once you're once you can see it, then you can start to like. As commentators, we can go look. No, that's what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very very difficult because most people don't see it this way. So it's part of what I try to do is like cut through the nonsense, see who's got the incentive to push a particular narrative, and then go. Well, it's, that's clearly their narrative, not ours. Yeah. And um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, um, I'm not I'm trying to absolve the United States of their sins. We have many. 
Like there's plenty of factions within the US that are okay with doing Europe's dirty work and Britain's dirty work and everything else. I'm no problem with this. But there's a that colonialist impulse that exists within US foreign policy, US domestic policy, US uh, fiscal policy. That's a learned response on our part. And uh, that's not the natural that's not the natural way we as Americans look at the world. Interesting. But our leadership certainly does. So. That This is a good segue to Europe. Let me go to Europe. Um, today, mm-hmm. French President Emmanuel Macron will mm-hmm. sign a bilateral security agreement with his Ukrainian counterpart, Vladimir Zelensky. Why do European leaders fall in love with Zelensky so much? Is it because they think that their voters are falling in love with Zelensky? Because that's starting to change. No, that is exactly the opposite of what's going on. You're seeing these bilateral security agreements happen because the United States is dragging its feet into uh, going to actual war with the Russians. They want us to fight their war for them. Mm. That's why Britain was first. The Poles were second. The Germans third. And now the French fourth and all signing bilateral agreements to get around NATO who are dragging their feet because NATO is effectively the US. And these are all, these bilateral security agreements are all meant to be tripwires so that if they were to send their people into Ukraine and get killed by Russian bombs, they can scream bloody murder that NATO has to come in and deal with them. Notice how all this is happening on the day that the Munich Security Conference is opening up, which is a big deal because it's always at the Munich Security Conference that we get the latest twist in Ukrainian policy from the West. It was the Munich Security Conference in 2022, where Vice President Kamala Harris stood up and said, yes, Zelensky, we think you should be in NATO and get nuclear weapons. And that's like two days later, Vladimir Putin's like, that's it, I'm invading. Yeah, that was that was a a trigger point. Can I can I just stay there? You mentioned Munich. Let's talk Germany. German Chancellor Mm -hmm. Olaf Schultz said Europe must ramp up productions of armaments massively and urgently. Massively and urgently. Let's do that. That'd be just dandy, wouldn't it? Well, the Germans are rearming, and they've been they've been um, they've they've been uh, signaling this for a long, long time. Remember, Emmanuel Macron is the guy who wants an EU army. He wants the German and French deep states. Their military industrial complexes want the end of NATO. So there's a very complex game here being played about you know how NATO is going to end in effect. Like, because the, the, they want the Americans out so that they can supply weapons to the entire continent. So the German and French, you know, military industrial complex wants to be the new, you know, they want to be the, 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 the MIC of Europe as opposed to the Americans being the MIC of Europe. Mm. And that also then means that they can raise their own army and all that. But, that, the, but any kind of EU army has nothing to do with stopping the Russians from invading Europe because the Russians are incapable of invading Europe. Incapable. As I said at the beginning of our chat here, totally and utterly incapable. There is not a sign, an inkling of any kind of coveting of the rest of Europe. It's just ludicrous. Can, can the, I just... The Russian, no, the, Chris, just to remind everybody, the Russians use rail mostly to move their men. Their military logistics are around rail. They use a different rail gauge than they than they do in the rest of Europe. Right. Like the Russian expansion stops at the Polish border. Yes. Because Ukraine is the only European country that uses the same rail gauge as Russia does. There you because go. Ukraine was Russia. Because the go. Russians built 
The, the answer is in the size of the gauge. The answer's in the gauge. Let's talk about NATO. None of the neocons like Trump, but they're now against him, um, Trump, for saying that he wouldn't come to the aid of a NATO member who didn't pay up. Why do you mm-hmm. think Trump made that statement? And is he actually, when you sort of dig down, he's actually technically correct? He is correct. And what he's saying is NATO's not fit for purpose. He's like, if you want NATO so bad, and the purpose of NATO on the surface, as is stated by his charter, is to contain Russia, contain the threat of the Soviet Union, right? Which is no longer here, by the way. Just in case anybody's a little you know, deficient in history, the Soviet Union ended uh, a couple, you know, 35 years ago. Mm. Um, so what, what he's saying is, look, we don't need NATO. He, this, is, this, this is him, you know, saying if you want it, then pony it up. And if the Russians attack you and you didn't pay, why do you expect us to pay for you? Why do you expect us to fight for you? It's exactly what I just said previously. They want the U.S. to fight their war for them and blame the United. Not only do they want to, they want to stop, they want to carve up Russia. Like the Brits have wanted to carve up Russia for 300 years. And like, it's not like the German, French, you know, Spanish, Portuguese, colonial, uh, Italian, colonial, uh, old colonial powers, you know, families and banking interests don't want to carve up Russia. Of course they do, mm. but they don't want, they don't want to do it. They don't want to send their sons and daughters to do it. They want us to do it. Yeah. They think yeah. of the Yanks as their, as, as their, their, their shock troops. And oh, well, they can go do that. They're, they're, they're the cannon fodder the same way the Ukrainians are now. If you listen to David Cameron, I mean, the, the, in, 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 we've seen less than three prominent members of, Brit- of the, the British elite in the last month say some version of this. Isn't it great that you Americans, this is the cheapest money you've ever spent. You spend $100 billion to, 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 to destroy Russia's army, to kill Russians, and you didn't spend one American life. This is the best return on investment you could ever ask for. <laughs> Unless you're Ukrainian, of course. Um, yep. but they don't care about the Ukrainians. Yeah. Well, look at, so look at Cameron. He's, he, Cameron's now going on a three day tour to try and convince people that they need to pour money into Ukraine as well. And he had those words of advice for the Congress, which of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene told him to kiss her backside. Um, mm-hmm. just extraordinary that all of a sudden Cameron would think he could tell the Americans what to do. I know. Like, what's he going to do? Threaten us with season eight of Downton Abbey? Like it's, I mean, I, seriously, no, I mean, seriously, what does Britain have to, to threaten the United States with? You're going to like fire up the aircraft carrier that, you know, they, like, they can't get, get out of port. Like, who are you people? I mean, I, I get a lot send of the bu- Send the Buckingham, Buckingham Palace guards in. Listen, I'm, I'm running out of time. I want to get to, I want to get to the Middle East. What the sure. hell, what the hell is going to happen here? And will it be resolved before we pass this lifetime? Um, all depends on whether or not, um, I hate to say it again, this is another, this is another legacy of the, uh, of the pullback of the British empire. Mm-hmm. And, um, it all depends. I, what I'm seeing now is, um, the Russia, Iran, and now Saudi, the BRICS are, are, are flexing their muscles yeah. on and putting, uh, you know, and, and putting a down payment on the geographic expansion that they put together in August. Yeah. Where they are rallying they added five nations. They added five nations that are key to controlling all the 
uh, maritime trade routes around the Arabian Peninsula. So now it's just a matter of, oh, you're leaving. And if you don't leave, we've got plenty of groups that, that we've armed over the years to ensure that that ends. So, um, you know, the American Navy has been the inheritor of the old British maritime empire. Um, and they're being challenged at the, the core of their mission. Yeah. So hmm, I, um, I don't know. I'll have a good answer for you. Well, 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 what about what about America and Israel? I have never seen the two so far apart for those that are supposed to be shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think and, and in some ways, I think that's actually a very good thing. Benjamin and Yahoo, I've been saying this for months, still believes it's 1993 and that if he barks, he can make the uh, barks jump. He can make the Americans say how high. And he doesn't realize that there has been a sincere, and I mean sincere, generational shift in the attitude mm. towards Israel here in the United States. Mm. And he has miscalculated very badly mm. as to what he thinks is, you know, what we would call millennials and Gen Zers are, mm. a, have absolutely zero interest mm. in supporting Israel war against, um, you know, everybody else in the region. It's only the remnants of the baby boomer generation and to a lesser extent, you know, my generation, I'm Gen X that there are members of my generation that still, you know, feel like this is the right thing. And, and that policy is, is, is ending and it's not anti-Semitic and it's not, you know, it's none of these things. It's simply, we're not going to do this anymore. The United States is rapidly bankrupting itself mm. over these policies that are utopian fantasies. And, you know, the bill's coming due and we're no longer interested in the, the, the fantasy. So reality smacking you in the face. And when that happens, you know, people's politics turn local. Yep. Great insight. Terrific analysis. Great to have you on the program, especially at this juncture and in this particular week, Tom Luongo. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Chris. Enjoy it. Have a great week. Uh, great, great weekend. Good on you. Same to you. Thank you, Tom. Tom Luongo is a former research chemist and financial political commentator specializing in geopolitics and financial markets, producer of the Gold, Goats and Guns blog and podcast. I'm sure there is uh, plenty that we've discussed there that you would like to buy it at. Um, step right up, jump on our talkback lines anywhere from where you're listening from, from the United States or Canada, one 201 6425 From the UK in the very early hours of the morning, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. Plenty of reason to have your say. Do it right now on TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Yesterday, for the second year in a row, Joe Biden skipped the traditional pre-Super Bowl interview. It would have exposed him to 60 million people, a chance to rebut what the special counsel said about his memory and, and other things. And it comes as no surprise that he skipped it. What comes as a surprise is what Jake Tapper said on CNN. People misspeak. I get it. I misspeak. But part of the job of president is the, the having the confidence of the American people in your faculties. Forget what Robert Hur said in the report. This is President Biden speaking publicly. Do you understand why some Democrats, according to polls, a majority of Democrats are concerned? And then Tapper addressed the missed Super Bowl opportunity with Democratic Congressman Robert Garcia. For instance, he's not doing the traditional Super Bowl interview with the network that's hosting the Super Bowl, which this year is CBS. I understand not doing it last year with Fox. This year it's CBS and he's, he's not doing that. That sends a signal to people. What is he afraid of uh, when it comes to doing that interview? I mean, he's not afraid of anything. I mean, oh, first, uh, the, the president's got a busy schedule. I mean, who cares if he's not doing the Super Bowl interview? It's not that people care about it, uh, whether or not it is a Super Bowl interview. 
it's, it's, a, it's a missed opportunity to speak to tens of millions of Americans. And uh, I, I have it under good authority that this year there are going to be a lot of Swifties watching. Uh, that's a lot of women uh, and men. Good for Tapper. Shame on shameless Garcia. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here on TNT. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my license, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. Where the story goes, we follow Chris Smith on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Argentium Rex, one of our viewers, has made a comment on our chat box. We've got a few comments during that interview too, just in reference to countries around the world handling their economic affairs. But uh, Argentium Rex says, thanks, Chris. Great interview with Tom Luongo. Interesting character, isn't he? Interesting character. Now, let's talk about the courtroom theatrics that occurred today when Donald Trump turned up Thursday morning. Trump had a look of fatigue according to The Guardian today. Now, bear in mind, The Guardian are one of the haters. But I wanted to get, I was interested to see what The Guardian wrote today, and I thought it was probably a fair summary of what occurred. Because bear in mind, it wasn't just Donald Trump who seems to be on trial, but Fanny Wills as well. Putting that aside, the story goes that he had a look of fatigue on him as he entered the Manhattan courtroom, where in less than two months, he will be the first former US president to face a criminal trial, less than two months. The six-week trial will not only be about Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election results, nor his hoarding of classified documents, accusations for which he has been indicted elsewhere. Rather, Trump's fast-approaching trial is for an alleged hush money scheme involving the adult film star Stormy Daniels and the Playboy model Karen McDougal. Despite the made-for tabloid nature of this case, the hearing largely focused on housekeeping matters. Indeed, it was as business as usual as a Trump-related court proceeding could probably get. It also stood in stark contrast to the legal chaos playing out in Trump's Georgia election interference case the same morning, yes, the same morning, two cases, two places, where a judge is weighing where the prosecutors should be booted from their proceeding due to improper romantic relations. So that's happening over in Georgia, but up in New York in Manhattan, there's something entirely different occurring. Now, as Trump strode towards the well in Judge Yuan Merchant's New York courtroom, the ex-president pointed to a row of journalists in the gallery. He didn't miss them. With a motion, one colleague described as similar to a finger gun, 
This gesture was more playful than menacing. That's a fair, that's a very fair thing to say for The Guardian. Uh, a sort of greeting to a reporter in the gallery. Remarkable, <laughs> remarkable, says the story. Trump, who sported a scarlet tie with navy suit, then sat at the defence table without fanfare. Within minutes, Merchant said he had denied Trump's moonshot motion for dismissal and would not delay the trial any further. So there you go. But over on George's side, as you probably have seen, because it was telecast on some of the news channels around the United States and around the world, um, just mayhem over Fanny Wills and what she did with the money and the affair she was having with the chief prosecutor. Now, if that gets thrown out, and certainly the prosecutor will, what happens? Does it get thrown out entirely? Well, just say it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. But how long does it take? to then get someone up to speed to lead the charge against Trump. It's going to have to take longer and maybe as long as November. That is the crucial point in that particular story. So I just thought I'd briefly update you on the shenanigans there. Meanwhile, I have employed dozens of people in my professional life, dozens, and I'm never overly impressed by tertiary qualifications because I've met some very dumb, well-qualified people and I've met some very, very smart, unqualified people. And I prefer someone to have a really healthy dose of emotional intelligence, EQ, and added to that a kind of verve, a drive to go for the prize, to make a difference, to get things done, which is why I was drawn to a recent viral video featuring a young woman who resides in Brooklyn who found the courage to go job hunting in New York City. Loani Santos is an actor and content creator who discovered a lengthy brick wall in her pursuit of work. And she wasn't chasing anything large, any specific job. She just wanted to start. She wanted a small break. She was happy to start at the very bottom. And she decided to go on a a walk around New York City and literally knock on the doors, the old-fashioned way, the old-fashioned way. But it seems as if her impressive academic qualifications, and she'll explain very shortly what they are, worked against her as she didn't comply to this modern, robotic, clinical approach to apply for a job. She didn't stand in line like all the other faceless robots, and people were shocked and amazed that she would dare to knock on the front door of a business and ask for a job. I thought, good on her. But it was an emotional outcome for Loani. And I thought I'd play the video for you now to show you what happened. Have a look at Loani Santos. This is the most humbled I've ever felt in my life. I'm literally holding resumes, a stack of them, so that I can go in person to places and say, are you guys hiring? <laughs> it's honestly a little bit embarrassing because I'm literally applying for like minimum wage jobs and some of them are being like, we're not hiring. And it's like, what? This is not what I expected. I graduated college with two degrees in communications and acting. I speak three languages. Oh. This sucks. Like, I, I just want to be a TikToker if I'm being so for real with you. But I can't be delusional anymore. Like, I literally need to make money. So, I'm just going to keep trying. 
I'm over here crying. <laughs> and then I heard the birds chirping. And then I thought, at least I'm crying in Brooklyn. <laughs> God, I hope I'm doing better a year from now. <laughs> Amazing, huh? Gutsy. Courageous. Of course it would have been a letdown. It would have been emotionally racking to be told we're not interested, go away. Uh, here's the email address, send your, your buyer. She couldn't even find anyone who thought that she did brilliantly to knock on the door and so no one sat down with her and had a chat. No one even came downstairs to say, hey, thanks, it's good to meet you. All the very best with everything because they're so self-centred. They're not interested in some young girl who's gone out of a way to try and get a job. Nah, why would you give her encouragement? What, what's it to your bottom line? It's just foul, isn't it? And there are so many instances that I know about when I was a kid of people knocking on the doors to try and find a job and getting a job because that's the way we communicated. That's the way we treated people. We recognised authenticity. We recognised someone who was game enough to do such a thing, but not anymore. It's sad. Um, and it was crushing for her, and I understand all of that. Well, it, it's funny. Two things have happened since that video went viral. Two things have happened. She's put together a series of part-time Loani capsules. What are part-time Loani capsules? They're basically little videos, like the one that she just recorded then, which sort of break down the myths of the workplace explaining to people exactly what it's like when you have to apply for the job, the difficulties there is, there are to try and get one, um, the demands that are on you and the people that you have to face to get an interview, and et cetera, et cetera. They've been incredibly instructive, and she's done very, very well. And, of course, she talks about Gen Z in particular and how they have to adapt to a more modern corporate workplace. Fantastic. But we've just heard, after an email communication with her, that she's just been offered a job and she's accepted it and her first day was yesterday. Now, we didn't have a chance to get the details of the job she got, but it doesn't really matter. You know, the essence of this story is about someone who just tried her guts out to try and get a job. Someone somehow recognised what she was doing, the gratuitous help that she was giving through these little capsules and maybe even eventually got the message from some secretary somewhere that she did knock on the door and... She got a wish. She got a start somewhere and is often racing in her career. I just think it's fantastic. You know, good things come to good people. Maybe not straight away, but I'd like to think that they do eventually if you keep giving good vibes. Well, she did. And her name, by the way, is Loani Santos. And it wouldn't surprise me, and we won't, none of us will know this, but in 20, 30 years' time, She's running one of the shows and probably <clears throat> running one of the shows that she couldn't get a job at um, last month. But well done to her, which is just fantastic. Now, next hour on the program, I want to tell you what's coming up. A couple of really good people to talk with. I'm going to have a chat with Jim Ball, who, for those who don't know, especially if you're in another part of the world, he is one of the most politically incorrect characters. And he was a former nighttime supremo on two of the big commercial talkback radio stations in Australia. He went national. And uh, he'll be on the program today. He wants to talk about diversity, equity and inclusion and this contamination of ideology in places that really 
shouldn't be weighed down by this stuff. We need the right people for the right job. Not people, just because of their colour, their sex, their disability, should be put in the job. That is just foul. I've always disliked the idea that we have a DEI or affirmative, affirmative action plan in any corporation or even any government department, but it is spreading like wildfire. He'll talk about that and a whole heap more. Plus, the anti-wokest himself, Dr Kevin Donnelly, on the program here as well. Don't go anywhere. This is TNT.